How's it going, man? Awesome, man. Excited, excited to jump into some stuff with you. Come on. We launched tonight um, camp meeting, and that was awesome. Yep, we're having fun. Hey, I wanted to dive into just like a conversation with you regarding um, uh, kind of getting started, like like the whole like the whole like genesis of of Jeremy. Come on, because um, just seeing just seeing what you've been rolling with. Um, in San Diego, like now 900 nights of outpouring. And, um, and certainly there must have been incredible preparation for the season that you're in, that you're in now. And, um, and so, so how, how did this all begin? Like this hunger to run with like the fire, the glory, like where, where did this all begin? Like, where did that get into your bloodstream? Yeah, honestly, when I was 13 years old, my mom had breast cancer and uh lost all her hair you know we weren't following jesus nobody in my family i mean we were straight heathen and uh someone gave my mom like a big old huge catholic bible you know like massive big old ones dude and slammed it down on the table and was like you should check this out and uh my mom read about blind bartimaeus and how like god healed him and so she just cried out in her room out of desperation she said god if you're really real then would you heal me and her testimony is jesus walked through the wall laid hands on her she was instantly healed and so when i was a kid i saw that i watched my mom go from death to life and uh you know at that time i didn't want to follow him my mom turned into the jesus freak that would preach to me every day (laughs) right right but i knew you know i grew up with a a mexican mama you know hispanic mama you don't mess around like when she's (laughs) sitting you down to have the talk you just listen right right yeah and so that was kind of the first i'd say installment of hunger for the supernatural for the things of god where i knew that he was real that way and even i didn't have a grid for revival but i watched you know revival means bring dead things back to life and i watched the lord bring my mom from death to life and so that was kind of my first introduction to jesus that's amazing so you, so you, have, you saw that happen with your mom and you're like I, that's that's good for her but you weren't necessarily responding for yourself as far as your own relationship with the lord like like were you were, were you were you letting on to your mom that you're impressed by it or were you or were you just like, that's good, mom? Like, like, you know. Oh, I was just a straight up hypocrite, bro. Like, I'd be like, hallelujah. You know, like, she'd be preaching. Oh, for at real? Me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, like, dude, I, I would just, I'd listen, I'd act like an angel, and then sneak out at night, dude, drinking with my friends. And, okay, got it, got but, it, got but it. But you know what's crazy is actually my, my junior, uh, actually, be my sophomore year of college, I was, I was going to a Christian school and I was playing baseball, and it was the first time I ever encountered revival, and I hated it. Really, like, really, really, really. Yeah, like a, a speaker came into the chapel, and, you know, I wasn't following God at all. I was just playing baseball, and the speaker came into the chapel, and he started preaching, and the conviction of the Holy Ghost came. People started weeping, crying, and my catcher started crying, and I was so mad at him. <laughs> I was like, why are you crying, fool? And I, I actually got up in the middle of the service. Holy Spirit's moving. I didn't recognize it back then. 
And I went to the back and I slammed the door on the chapel so everybody heard it and I just started cussing up a storm. I was so mad, which is hilarious because I had no clue I was called to do that. And uh, But it was the next year God got a hold of my heart. That's incredible. And so w- w- at what point did you realize that um, you were called to be a revivalist? Dude, it took a while, man. Like when I got saved, I thought I was called to be a baseball player. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I don't know about you know those of you watching this or whatever, but you know how many know? Oftentimes, we choose what we want to do for God. And when I got saved, I was like, I'm gonna play baseball. I'm gonna make money. I'll support orphans. You know, I'll, I'll do some of that kind of stuff. And it took two years for me to recognize that I had this call to speak. And and really, I I, I didn't even have a clue. Wow! 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 So it took two years, and then what, what, what happened? I basically got invited to speak at this uh, Calvary Chapel uh, college group. And, you know, I'd been going to this church for a while, and then the, the pastor was like, hey, why don't you share with the college group? They had a college group of, like, 80 kids. And i never forget, because I didn't know how to preach, didn't know how to do a sermon. I just wrote down, like, five scriptures, showed up, and, you know, they told me I got, like, 20 minutes, and it went an hour and a half. Kids were getting saved. The power got hit. People were whipping. Wow, yeah. And I was just like, what was that? You know, and, and the guys were like, dude, you're a natural. And I'm like, what? I seriously had no clue. That, that, that's incredible. Do you, ever, do you ever think about now, like, <clears throat> so you said yes to the Lord, and, um, and you walked away from the baseball career. Uh, do you ever have moments now when you know the reason why I ask is that like for me my story was that I wanted to be a filmmaker and so um, like I love film like my buddies and I we'd make we'd make movies all the time we had our own film club where we'd like distribute our little like you right. like VHS tapes right we'd be like here's your January movie just be us running around with guns shooting each other and stuff you know <laughs> yeah, airsoft <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. catch up everywhere like ah oh, bye but uh, like uh, every now and then. I'll, like sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll like I'll be like, man, I wonder what would happen like if I had pursued that like film. Like I love being a pastor, right? But every now and then yeah. I'm like, huh? Like so obviously there's still be a love for baseball there and everything, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But so do you ever do you ever do you ever think about like the whole like baseball and the career and like that, that kind of thing? You know what's funny is I went to a Giants game. That's my favorite team. Okay, okay. I went yeah, last week. Yeah. You know. And, oh, you uh, did. Yeah. So I still go to baseball all the okay, time. Like, yeah. in fact, I go as much as I can. That's awesome. Which only is like a couple times a year. But uh, you know what's funny is I don't even miss it. But you don't even miss no, it. No, like not at all. Uh, you know, every once in a while I play catch with a friend or whatever, and that's cool. But dude, the working out, like the the discipline that it took. You know, just all the all the stuff that we had to do, man. And I didn't play in an era that's like today, man. You know, everybody gets a trophy, and it's like, man, I, I straight had like the sergeant kind of coach, you know, that was <laughs> right. like riding right, us, man. Right. You make one mistake, they're like, you're gonna run forever, you know. And <laughs> like it was like back in the day, dude, where where they were on you, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so uh, once I tasted the kingdom, though, man, I was like, I'm good. I ain't got to run miles. I ain't got to do all that, you know. But uh, but one thing I still want to do is throw a pitch out at a major league but game. Do you really? All right. Yeah, awesome. I mean, awesome, I, I, awesome. so that right there is something that I, I definitely want to do. And, uh, you know, I think one day I'll, I'll get a chance. But in like you're interesting because like you uh, obviously very strong prophetic gift. You're um, ordained with HIM. You underneath Cheon recognized as a prophet within that network. And um, but you're obviously also a huge evangelist. Um, you're, you're getting into um, crusades, not just overseas, but of course, the big one in Arizona. I'd love to, I'd love to chat about that. And um, so you got this prophet evangelist mix um, taking place. Um, but 
there's also that you're, you're, you're kind of like a seer prophet too. And you've written books on seers. You've done right. different e-courses on that. And so when it comes to the, the, like the operation of seer, was that like a part of, was that something that you stepped into when you got saved or were you a seer kind of growing up? Like, was that just kind of a normal part of, of, of just your life as far back as you can remember? Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been a seer, even before I saved my grandma, wow, wow. uh, was a seer, my great grandmother and even her mother. In fact, we got three tribes, first nations, you know, native American blood. Wow, wow. And, uh, and so what's interesting is my great, great grandmother was a witch doctor and the one before her as well in the native American tribes. And so they were always spiritual, you know, and they, they, what's interesting about it is that they were like medicine women. So their gift was they would know what was wrong with people, kind of like words of knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would get them healed. And obviously they did a little differently because they weren't redeemed in you know understanding sure, sure, the sure. Lord. And so a lot of my family, even today, they're like, he's got grandma's gift, you know? And they, they might not even be following <laughs> right. the Lord, but they're like, he's got grandma's gift. That's why he can see stuff and, you know, the healing thing. And, and so what's awesome is I feel like, you know, God's, he started with my mom and uh, she's a high level seer i mean i grew up she's telling me all these visions that she had and uh but when i got you know saved it shifted to the good before that i was like i would see witches i mean my doors would i mean it was crazy like the door handle would shake i'd see demons and stuff like that i'd have all kinds of crazy nightmares even even as a child and uh and every once in a while i'd have like an angel visit me i just didn't quite understand it then and then when i got saved uh, honestly, I, I didn't really recognize I had a prophetic gift at first. I started scaring everybody. <laughs> it sounds really funny, but like I would just know stuff about people. I wow. was I was going to a real conservative church, and uh, I would have dreams about people, and then just go, "Hey, I had this dream about you, and I saw you were struggling with this and that," and they'd freak That's out. Incredible, yeah. You know, they'd go, "How do you know that?" And I'd be like, "I'd be like, I, well, I had this dream about you, and it was like the pastor." You know, he'd be like, "Don't tell anybody that." Like, <laughs> right. and, and so it's funny because you know when you have a prophetic gift sometimes let's keep that between us and, and you, little prophet man you don't know what you're doing <laughs> yeah. and there's no mentor or anything around you like you can actually make a pretty good mess you know and and you don't you're not trying to even if you have a pure heart you know it's just like hey i'm trying to i had this vision about you what do you think you know and, and, and at what point did you realize that what you had was actually like a, a redeemed gift from god like at what point because if, if you'd always been operating in this there must have been that moment where you're like like yeah. I'm operating something that's a, that's a, unusually intense, yeah, um, and, and unique, right? I think I started to recognize it. You know, I, I actually got invited to do a John Paul Jackson uh, Art of One on One, a hearing oh, wow. God's that's voice. Awesome, awesome. And so when I went to that, you know, he teaches about all the revelatory stuff, high level, you know, character and the gifts and all that. And so it was then that I started recognizing, like I was like, oh wait, this is a gift from God, you know, like. And it, and it really thrusted me into uh, a greater hunger to, to know the Lord, but also to develop that gift. And uh, if you know anything about John Paul, his, his whole testimony, it stirred me because this was his testimony. He had a guy that interviewed him one time, kind of like what we're doing. And the guy asked him, hey, how do you interpret dreams? And he said, well, I don't know. He goes, I just have the gift. And the guy said, well, that's too bad. And he goes, what? And he goes, because it'll die with you when you die. Wow. You know, wow. And he said, you, wow. he said, you should probably learn how to pass it to another generation. And because of that legacy, man, like it totally stirred me. 
And then the next point was Bobby Connor. I mean, I I I didn't know Bobby from Adam. Yeah, because you, yeah. You, you, there's like a, a there's been like a father son relationship there over the years, right? Yeah, and real kind of impartation and stuff there. Yeah. So how that how that go about? It was really interesting. I I actually was I did a conference at sea. Like we're on a Caribbean cruise. It was like a prophetic conference <laughs> awesome. at sea. And, awesome. You know, I, I was, your, your your prophetic senses are heightened at sea, right? Because like, oh, of all the water, and especially all the free head. ice cream and all yeah, that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so I was like a young guy, not in ministry, nothing. You know, just I was hungry, so I went to the the conference at sea, and there was a whole bunch of these prophets there, and and I think because what was in me and on me was drawing me, you know, towards those guys. Yep. And I'll never forget because Bobby Connor walked up to me and he just said something really strange. He said, "Hey, boy, how'd you like to travel the world with me? God says you're a young eagle, and I'm supposed to mentor you." And wow. I was like, "What? Wow. wow!" Yeah, I was shocked. You know, I'm like, "Me? Like for real?" And and I didn't even really even know. Bobby, you know, I had went there because of some of the other speakers. And so anyway, one of my friends told me, he's like, dude, you better like travel with that guy. He's a prophet. And I had no grid for it. And so literally I just said, okay, well, where do you want me to go? And he gave me a list of places and I started traveling with him. That's and incredible. he just started wow. pouring in. Wow. Yeah. Because Bobby doesn't really do that, right? He doesn't really open that up to a lot no. of people. So that's a very special kind of mentoring kind of thing that he invited you into that's awesome yeah and and when it first started i think i just annoyed him dude like <laughs> i would ask him all kinds of questions you know and i could see him he was like i was stretching him you know what i mean like i would be like hey is that guy you know is that guy a prophet is that guy of god is this dude yeah like what did you what did you learn during that during the season like what did you what did you actually learn from watching bobby you know the most valuable thing that i learned in the first season uh, it was actually interesting was identity you know wow. and the first trip I went on with Bobby was uh, we, we went to uh, Europe together and when we went um, he told me all these stories face to face encounters with the Lord like dreams visions you know angelic visitations how Jesus like would speak all these secrets to him and show him you know uh, all these mysteries and it was cool at first and then after two days man I was like am I even saved <laughs> like I was <laughs> like what the heck like this guy's salvation is so different than mine and I was actually getting really frustrated wow. like wow. And, and, and then I'll never forget one day you know he looked at me and he goes boy you're frustrated aren't you and I was like no and he's like you can't lie to me i'm a prophet and i went okay i'm frustrated and he goes you think i'm sharing with you all these testimonies because i want to be more spiritual than you and i was like no and he's like i'm sharing them with you because it's impartation that's incredible and, and that's he, incredible. and he said to me he said the key to my ministry is this the testimony of jesus the spirit of prophecy he said wow. you get what you talk about and uh and and he said to me he goes you know what your problem is and i i said what he goes you think like an orphan not like a son wow and you know what though the way he said it it, it wasn't even offensive it was just sure. kind of like you need to change the way you think you know and and he said to me you know how i got all my encounters he said i read the bible not from the perspective of idolizing man he said but i read the bible as there's no god's no respecter of persons and he says so if god did it with elijah if he did it with ezekiel if he did it with paul then i, I i'm his son too and so he said i, I handcuffed god with his own word that's and, incredible and wow. i tell him lord i want this until he tells me you can have it or shut up wow he said wow. I, I go after it and so literally he said to me he goes you need to look at those that are more mature than you in the eyes of a son he said orphans always get upset about what they don't have sons recognize what's available that's that's so good yeah that's and, incredible and it changed me because from that moment on instead of being jealous i started looking at bobby and even others around me that carried something i didn't and i started going 
you know what, God, if you'll do it with them, you'll do it with me too because I'm your son and I celebrate and I honor what is on their life. And out of that place of honoring the anointing on someone, you get access. And, and instead of the frustration, now you have the right spirit, which is a teachable spirit, and, and, and you can learn, you know. And it was literally the next weekend that I got, you know, transported. And I, I had an angelic visitation, and that probably sounds extreme. You, you, know, got, you, got, tra you got transported. Like, was it like a transportation miracle, or you went out into the spirit? Into the so, so basically what happened was, uh, you know, Bobby told me, he goes, you get what you talk about. And so I was hanging out with a friend of mine named Craig, and uh, basically I was telling him all the Bobby Connor stories. You know, I mean, he told me like a hundred of them. And anyway, we, we were on a plane flying home from uh, New Jersey to Vancouver, Canada. And as we're flying, and I'm telling these stories, flashes of light start going poof, poof, poof. And I'm like freaking out going, what is that? And the Lord goes, that's the angels. Wow. And, wow. and, and so I'm like, wow, it's working. And we get to Vancouver, my brother Josh picks us up in my car and we start driving and my friend is in the back and I'm just telling more stories. And all of a sudden everything changes. And my friend in the back starts screaming, he's like, what's happening we're in mississippi we're in mississippi and we're no longer on the vancouver highway we're on a normal street there's a stop sign my brother stops there's a guy mowing the lawn on the right hand side and i remember like when this stuff happens your brain doesn't work like <laughs> right, it, it freaks right. out you know it's like tilt with a you know with a pinball machine and so i'm looking and my friend's like i know that guy i went to high school with him and and, and then all of a sudden poof, we're back on the vancouver highway and we're driving and we're like what was that and so my friend calls the dude you know like an hour later he goes hey were you just mowing the lawn and the guy's like craig you're freaking me out he's like yeah i was mowing the lawn how do you know that and he's like because we were there man like wow, you know the wow, guy was wow. tripping and and uh and i'll never forget <laughs> i called bobby back you know i said bobby it worked we're talking about god and what you told me you know it worked i said i said we just got transported from you know vancouver to jackson mississippi and and back and here's all his response was huh well, ain't that something, boy? And he goes, good job. Keep talking about God. And he goes, well, I got to go. And he hung up. You know, it's like. I, I could just hear him say, well, now that's good, Jeremy. I could just yeah. hear like, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it was from that point on that I really started to to hear the voice of God. Awesome. And have awesome. encounters. Now, mind you, I had the demonic ones, you know, before that. Sure, sure. You know, but, but after that, I started really maturing. And, and having mentors in my life like Bobby and Bob Jones and Charlie Robinson. He's uh, you know, a Canadian prophet that a lot of people don't know about, but uh, real papa in the spirit. And so I had three you know, prophetic papas. And so Because you, you, you had a cool relationship with Bob. Yeah. Yeah, so, so how, how did that, where did that start? And what did that look like? So Bob, I actually, you know, uh, I, I got to know Bob from a, a friend of mine named Jeff who introduced me to him. And the first time I met him was so funny because uh, he completely humiliated me in front of like 40 people. Bob did? Yeah. yeah. And, and so if anybody ever, <laughs> you know, if Bob Jones likes you back, you know, he's passed on to be with the Lord. But yeah. um, if he liked you, he's a really funny guy, man. He's like a country prophet from Arkansas who had a crazy, funny, hick sense of humor. And if he liked you, he'd make funny or he'd talk <laughs> trash or he'd do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so my friend Jeff introduced me to Bob. And uh, I meet him in the back of a green room, you know, just a speaker's room. And there's like 40 people in there. They all want to meet Bob. And so I'm kind of like in line. And he starts praying for people. And he's going down the line. And he gets to where I'm at. 
and I got my hands out and I'm like, well, you can't resist hunger. He's going to pray for me. And he slaps on my hands and goes, sit down, boy. The anointing's gone. <laughs> and I look so stupid in front of like 40 people that I don't know. And, and so then he, he goes over to this table and picks up a piece of chicken, starts eating it, and I can hear him going, <laughs> and he's like laughing at me. And so then I feel like the, the dumbest guy, man. So I sit down, and then I start going through all these thoughts. I'm like, oh, God, am I in sin? Like, forgive me, Lord, for seeking a man and not you. you <laughs> right, know? Right, like, right, right. And so then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to leave. I've humiliated myself. And as soon as I touch the doorknob, he goes, come here, boy. The anointing's back. And I'm like, what? And, and he puts his chicken down. And no joke, dude, doesn't even really like wipe his hands, you know, and he comes up and he goes, give me your hands. And I give him my hands and he's got my hands like this, you know, and, and he goes, you smell that boy? And I'm like thinking in my head, what, chicken? Like, and he's like, you smell that boy? But I was terrified by him. And so I said, God, please let me smell something. And boom, dude, this, this supernatural fragrance of God overtook me. And I got the strangest prophetic word ever from Bob Jones, you know. I, so I'm like, whoa. And he goes, yep, that's right, boy. Use a sweet-smelling stench in your daddy's nostril. And he said, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who caused us to triumph and diffuses through us the fragrance of Christ amongst the lost. And he said, you're a prophet and an evangelist. And there's a there's an apostolic calling on your life. And, and for the rest of your life, you're going to lead people to Jesus. And he gave me this word that I'm in right now that I'm living in, you know. And, and uh you know said i was a new breed and the whole thing and so it's funny because i went from like being humiliated now everybody's like dude you got a word from bob jones pray for me you know that so it was uh that was my first time meeting bob and after that i did maybe 10 different conferences with him before he you know went home to be with jesus and every time you know it was like a different lesson hanging out with him that's incredible did you ever get like my, my favorite stories about bob are like when bob would just call call people up <laughs> Like, you see, you, you, did you ever have any of those kind of crazy stories where Bob just like called call, called you up? But yeah, I, I had a funny one where so I went to Cincinnati, Ohio. I wasn't in this conference. I just went to go hang out yeah. with Bob, and uh, and when I was there, he, he points at me and he goes, "Come here, boy!" And I go up there and he goes, "Prophesy!" And so I prophesy over this guy, and when I prophesy over him, he's like, "Yeah, that's good." And then he goes, "That guy over there needs a miracle. Pray for him." So I go and pray for him, and he gets healed. And then I get back up next to him. He goes, sit down, shut up, boy. And I'm like, what? What did I do something wrong? And so I sit down. And then after the meeting, he goes, I need to meet with you alone, boy. And, and we go to the back. And he kicks everybody out of the speaker's room. He's like, I need to talk to him. And I was so, I was terrified, man. I thought I did something wrong. And he, he kicks everyone out. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, you know what you are, boy? And I said, what? He goes, use a silver spoon prophet. And I went, huh? And he's like, yep, that's right. You and your whole generation, bunch of spoon-fed little wow. prophetic brats. Wow. And I was like, what? And he goes, he goes, you young punks get what took me 40 years and three years. He said, in 1975, if I would have done what you done tonight, he said, I've seen you prophesy. He said, if I would have missed it once, they would have said, you're the devil. He said, and then I heard you speaking wow. in tongues because I, I, I got excited about, you know, the guy getting healed. And I was like, shaka, ba -da -ba. And he was like, <laughs> I heard you speaking in tongues. In 1975, if, if I would have done that, they would have said I was of the devil. And he goes, wow. and that healing stuff. He said, back in my day, they didn't even accept it in my denomination. They thought you was a Ray K healer. And, and he's like, you know what I think about that boy? And I was like, I, I was terrified again. I was like, what? And he goes, I love it because I'm a papa. 
Wow. And he goes, wow. he goes, you know what you young boys need to learn? He said, you need to learn how to honor the foundations. He goes, wow. the key to the double portion in your generation is going to be learning to honor those that have laid down the path before you. And he said, the, 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 he said, the spirit that will rob the church of inheritance in the end days will be the spirit of familiarity. Wow. And he said, wow. it'll be, it'll manifest, he said, it'll manifest itself in your generation in entitlement. Wow, that's that's powerful. Yeah, what a crazy word. And so it was like w- literally one of the most amazing lessons I've learned because I've just learned to honor pops and moms that have gone before us, and even to study history. Because the reality is, you know, even if even if you are a forerunner, a pioneer, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, like, listen, Jesus did it all. You know what I mean? And I mean, the Bible tells us in John fourteen twelve that uh, those who believe in Jesus will do even greater works. But listen, the the greater works. I don't think it's greater miracles than Jesus. I think it's that more people are going to carry the anointing of Jesus. And through the means of what we have with media and, and what we have with technology and revelation that's been passed down through the years, we can impact more people by more people being switched on, you know? And so, but the challenge is that we always talk about people's floors becoming our ceilings, right? And Bob told me that day, he goes, yep. He said, my floor has already become your generation's ceiling. They just don't recognize it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I remember hearing that story before as far as what Bob told you, you know, you're a stellar spoon, bro. Like that that, that story. And I remember I I heard it within the context of somebody asking you the question regarding millennials and entitlement. And you used that story as, as, as an example. Yeah. And, um, and it, it, it's interesting seeing actually there's like, there's like a wave of young revivalists that are coming out, which is which is interesting because there's also a period of time when when that wasn't the case. Yep. And I and I and I think that like organizations like probably the IHOP and Bethel are like responsible for that, right? Like with all sure. the, with like the the school of ministry resurgence and movement because really before the whole like school of ministry thing that wasn't the case, right? Like you right. didn't see. Um, I mean, even like I, I remember even being like a teenager and being in, in revival meetings with like, with like with Bobby and Bill yeah. and John and all, and then there wasn't young people in their twenties getting up giving words of knowledge. Right, like that wasn't happening at all. Like that was just not a norm. Like the only people doing words of knowledge and prophetic words were like the prophets, and, um, and so it is really interesting now seeing almost kind of like this. Um, any you know anyone and everyone can do this right um level level of of empowerment um and also what you're saying there about familiarity that's that's also really really interesting um because it's easy to step into that place where into the been there done that right kind of thing especially with 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 revival how how do you doing 900 nights Mm -hmm. uh, like that's incredible how do you how do you um keep your keep yourself from falling into that familiarity like how, how do you how do you how do you stay fresh and sharp and in into that place where you're like this is like god your presence is enough within this right. i don't need something newer than this you know right well i think number one it's the motive of the heart and uh you know i tell people all the time we're not ministering to people we're ministering to him you know and That's it's good. about yeah. the presence of god and we've been entrusted with a stewardship you know of his presence and that's the way that the lord 
explained it to me when revival broke out is he said to me he said jeremy i'm omnipresent i'm everywhere all the time but i'm not always manifest present Mm -hmm. and he told me he said i'm giving you a stewardship of the manifest presence of god to really provoke a hunger and a jealousy into your generation that they would begin to desire more and so for me it's all about the holy spirit it's all about the presence of god and Really, I don't care whether you're hosting meetings or you're not hosting meetings. It's all about personal revival, you know. And for us, it's uh, it's just being disciplined, spending time with God, you know, not because I need to get something to give away to people, but because I love Him. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the biggest thing that I think we've really stepped into a greater dimension of is intimacy with the Lord. And, you know, the thing about it is after the first 30 nights, man, I was out of messages. You know, it's like (laughs) everything I'd ever preached was gone. And, you know, it was like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? And I remember the day that the Holy Spirit said to me, he's like, well, you either burn out or you'll turn out. And he said, or you'll learn to lean on me. Wow. You know, and, and, and so revival for me has been like a journey of dependence on God. I mean, when you cling to him and you depend on him. Every night when you go to preach and you don't have a message, I mean, I, I literally have preached, I don't know, four or five hundred of those nights, you know, those 900 nights. And my wife, she's preached a ton of them, too. Plus, we got guests. But, you know, a lot of times we don't know what we're doing. We just go and we, we stand before people and host the presence of the Lord as best as we can and stay filled with the word, stay in prayer, you know, praying in the spirit. I mean, I think these are all key components, and it's really simple. The gospel, you know, is to know him and to make him known. And I think that's where people complicate it. It's like, you know, you don't have to do some big preparation to minister to people. If you just stay filled with him and you stay connected to him, then his, his glory, his presence, his power, the leading of the Spirit comes on you. And I say this to people all the time is that, you know, if Jesus could cast 2,000 devils out of the, the, you know, man that had all the demons in the tomb, the Gadarean demoniac, and those demons went into pigs and ran down the hill, that shows us a spiritual capacity. How much more can you carry in God if a one man could carry 2,000 wow, demons? Wow, wow. How much that's presence right, right. and how much power can one son of God carry, that's one good. daughter, right? And, that's good. And so for, for me, it's the journey of, of intimacy is a lifestyle. And the overflow of that is the, the revival, you know, the, the actual preaching of the revival. The rest of it is it's sovereign, man. I mean, like the presence of God that we experience at Fire and Glory it it just comes like he comes you know and and i believe he's meeting a group of people it's not just about moran and i because we've got like 60 to 80 people every week you know that come every night and they're there and, and and a good core of them are sold out you know they're like i will give my life to the presence of god and and some i'm sure some of you listening to me right now you're like dude that's intense but it's a grace it's a calling for us but also I think there has to be those that are willing to press into something uncomfortable and even uh, not normal. And it hasn't been easy. I mean, like, there's been crazy warfare. (laughs) We've had burnout, you know, on our teams where people just, they can't handle the the intensity and uh, stuff happens. You know, it's an interesting road, but it's so worth it. Wow, wow, wow. 20 like 15 going into 2016 like 20 2016 was good about to radically change everything right like right. and so before before the decree conference with joshua mills and bobby connor 
did you have any sort of like heads up as far as like 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 the, something's about to land here in San Diego, or was it just like any other conference? You're going into this, and then all of a sudden, you know, you discerned there's like there's a special there's a special anointing right. here. You know, like going back right, you know, going back to that first night one. Um, at what you know, what, what what did that season look like? You know, it, it's really funny because. Uh, like the weekend before, you know, Fire and Glory broke out at that decree conference, we were at the Prophetic Destiny Conference in Pasadena. So Moran and I weren't even living in San Diego. We had lived there before uh, for four years, but we moved to Pasadena. We were at Atrock Church with, uh, you know, Papa Cheon right, for right, right. three years. And at our prophetic conference that year, two guys gave words in the same conference, sec- separate sessions, not even talking to each other. One was James Gall. And one was Brian Simmons. And both of them gave words about moves of God. And, you know, the West Coast rumble from uh, from James Gall. And then an epicenter of revival was a word that we got from uh, Dr. Brian Simmons. And both of them said it would happen in San Diego and then spread uh, up and down the coast. And so the next weekend we were having our San Diego Decree Conference. And honestly, it caught me by surprise because... We'd received words before, dude, about revival sure, and stuff. Sure. And, and so I didn't go into that decree conference like, yeah, revival. <laughs> right. And what actually happened was funny. It was uh, Joshua Mills was supposed to preach the first night. And we were completely packed out, and he missed his flight. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I had to preach that night. So, you know, it was kind of one of those awkward <laughs> yep. nights, right, yep. where... Um, where the crowd's kind of like, where's Joshua? You know, and but but the glory came, and dude, metal rods started dissolving. Wow! And wow. miracles were super easy, and and we were like, whoa, that that was a crazy night. And then what was interesting about it was uh, Joshua had actually flew in, you know, early in the morning. We didn't know it, but he went and did this whole journey because he had experienced revival years before in San Diego. And he went and he, he he went over to the same church he was experiencing revival and just in the parking lot because he felt the Lord say that this was going to be a revival uh, this is going to be a revival kind of journey weekend for him and so anyway he came that night he like tells all the stories and he's like yeah we were in revival you know uh, in the early you know two thousands or whatever it was and and so I was kind of like taken back and um, Bobby Connor came went great the last day though you know it was a Sunday and joshua came up to me and the pastor uh mark mcawee of heart of god church and he's playing the keyboard and he says hey guys like i just i feel like we're supposed to extend these meetings he goes if you're willing i'm willing and it took me two years to book this dude you know so i was like what and he's like if you guys are willing to stay i'm willing to stay and and then i realized i went wait a minute dude we got the word from james gall and from brian simmons so then it hit me and i went yeah let's do it and we we first extended two nights you know it was like put your toe in the water barely and like yeah we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. see you know yeah. i remember we extended two nights and then we extended two more and then we extended two more and then patricia king called me and she's like jeremy let me ask you a question have you been believing god for revival and i'm like yeah and she goes you got words for revival i said yeah she goes do you believe god's releasing revival and i said yeah and she goes so what's your guy's problem she's like extend this thing for a month stop tiptoeing around and actually go for it and i was wow. like what wow. Yeah. And it was like I needed that boot, though, wow. you know, That's from awesome. a mama. And so I told I told Joshua, "Hey, man, we got to extend this for a month." And he was shocked. And then he just said, "You know what? I'm in." Moved his family down, and that's how it started. We we just That's incredible. Went. That's incredible. And now here you are, uh, going on year 
Yeah, almost a year four. That's incredible. That, that's incredible. That's amazing. And not not only that, but this thing's going from like um, uh, regional kind of revival there in um, San Diego to hosting West Coast Rumbles. Yeah. To now hosting West Coast and East Coast Rumbles. Yep. Now going to hosting West Coast, East Coast Rumbles, and Crusades in the Nations. Yep. Um, Pakistan, Malawi. And um, and now you have a, a big one coming up in uh, in Arizona. Yeah, 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 yeah. So l- let's talk about that for, for for a second. Awaken. I just saw the um, the trailer online the other night. Yeah, you know, Awaken twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Lou Ingalls and I mean, and um, uh, Daniel Kalinda and Apostle Maldonado and that looks epic. Yeah, David Herzog and Cindy Jacobs, as well as Brian Head Welch and uh, yeah, Brian Head Welch too. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. So how um, how did, is this different from like something like Azusa Now or uh, or The Send or The Call? How how is this different, or is it or is it different? Um, I think it's very similar. Uh, I mean, I think there's a different DNA, definitely. Uh, you know, Lou and uh, David Herzog invited me to be a part of it. It's actually kind of funny because you mentioned the Crusades, you know, that we we're doing in Malawi, and also we're going to be doing Pakistan this year and Madagascar next year. But uh, you know, God spoke to me in the middle of last year, and He said, "Jeremy, Stadium Christianity is going to hit America within five years. It'll be something where where there'll be." You know, stadiums filled in America, and it won't just be one. There will be simultaneous stadium events from one coast to the other or even in between. And he challenged me. The Lord said, but if you want to be preaching in the middle of those stadiums, then you need to start doing them in the nations first. Wow. Wow. And so we had a history of crusades. You know, we've done uh, crusades before. had about a half a million decisions for Christ uh, before revival broke out. And so, you know, we just kind of went back in, and we did our— First Malawi Crusade and uh, had over a hundred thousand people that came out at night. Uh, over fifty thousand, fifty nine thousand, I think, salvations for Christ. Every kind of miracle you could think of. And what's interesting is the Lord said, if we would be willing to go to the nations and do it there, so into the nations, He'd open up Stadium Christianity in America. And so I came back the weekend after Malawi, and I was speaking at David Herzog's conference down in uh, Phoenix, and him and Lou invited me. They said, hey, listen, uh, we feel like God is saying that there's a collaboration of revivalists that we want to pull together to do a stadium event. And they uh, they mentioned Daniel Kalinda, you know, Maldonado, all the guys there. And they said, we felt we got your name as one of those carrying revival all these nights. And Lou uh, said that he felt that what they were doing at the Send was the Billy Graham of stadiums, but that there needed to be an Oral Roberts type wow. Uh, wow. Of, of stadium event where it's about evangelism, the power of God, uh, the the glory, the the signs and wonders, and so uh, you know I I think that what the call is doing is uh, is uh, you know something that has birthed a new move. Of stadiums, obviously the Sin, which I think is amazing. I mean, those guys—they filled that stadium, you know, down in in Florida, and man, so many lives have been impacted by absolutely, you know what God absolutely. did there. And I think there's more of that to come. And also, though, I think uh, you know, Lou was telling us he just felt that there needed to be as many groups raised up to do this stuff as you know possible because the harvest is too big for just one group to do it and so anyway he uh, you know him and him and david uh and you know daniel kalinda and all these guys they started mobilizing uh you know for this event and so i was just invited in I, and it was so funny because god had told me if you'll go to the nations i'll open it up 
And the very week I got back, it opened up a stadium, That's like incredible. an opportunity to speak, you know? That's incredible. You know, what's interesting is like this whole thing of like uh, stadium Christianity in America, it would seem as though like this charismatic, prophetic y revival, whatever you call this, is definitely trailblazing this like stadium trend. And right. unless there's all kinds of like huge evangelical, um, stadium things that are taking place and I just don't know about it but it but don't you think that it that this is almost like a form of just all these just look at the like the, the quantity of stadium events just in the last like 10 years right do you think do you think this is like it maybe a, a form of revivalism in and of itself do you know what I'm saying like like these these events like do you think that that history will record that, that this era that, that that we're in right now is kind of a it's not under the radar but it's it's not it's not traditionally what we would right frame as revival because you have an event a long period of time right another event i mean what, what do you think well i think that you know this will definitely be an era framed as the era of the harvest and i think we've been seeing first fruit stadium events uh, that you know have have been coming forth at least in the stream we're a part of. There have been you know other stadium events that uh, have taken place you know definitely in the evangelical circles, but I think we're about to see a new thing where it's the harvest coming in, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, people being equipped and trained and sent out. That's what the send is about. But I also think too that there are. You know the the real deal fivefold evangelists that are going to come forth, and there's a there's a realm of conviction, there's a realm of power, there's a realm of signs and wonders that it, it's not had. It, it doesn't have to be worked up. It's a part of the gift mix that they're carrying, and I, I think there's going to be collaborations of That's interesting uh, of those kinds of ministries. But I also think that we're going to actually have a time where. It may not be a big collaboration. There may be seven stadiums in one week that there's seven different revivalists at, uh, you know, hosting something where souls are coming into the kingdom. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, the, the fivefold ministry, we've seen a lot of restoration in different, you know, ones. But I think the evangelistic ministry is about to come forth in signs and wonders and miracles, much like the Voice of Healing revival that we had back in the 50s and 60s with a allen jack Coe, uh oral roberts you know uh, there was uh different ones like william branham i mean listen they were they were filling stadiums all in their day it was tents you know but they were filling tents 10 20 30,000 people and they would stay for like a month at a time and have revival and uh and and i think those were first fruits you know and it, it may not look the same in our day because i think it actually get bigger because of media you know what i mean but i do think god will have a harvest in america again and that there is a, a new breed rising but i do think it's cool to have the collaboration effect because then it's not one ministry or one person uh, having to take the weight of an event on, or it's not just the superstar kind of a deal, you know. Uh, but although I do think there are those that will carry the stadium anointing and, and, and fill them and see harvest come. But my, my dream is the loss, man. And that's what I think will be interesting about the 2020 awakening is 
uh, you know, having having Maldonado as a part, there's going to be a great mobilization of the Spanish, uh, Hispanic church, and 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 um, and even obviously we want everybody else to mobilize and invite their lost friends and bring people. And so I, I think there's going to be a great harvest in the awakening 2020. Yeah, that's awesome. When you were talking, I was I was th- I was thinking of the 1948 Lateran revival as well. Like while you're talking, and just that giving birth to the concept of fivefold ministry right as far as like because i don't think before 1948 i think i mean going back to azusa street right up to um 1948 there wasn't really much emphasis on fivefold ministry right, right. Yeah. and so it gave birth to and it was incredibly scandalous and and they came underneath a lot of persecution and yet they also modeled i mean i'm just thinking of william Branham and how he'd right. move in miracles and then he would have um i think the guy's name but they're gordon Lindsay. yeah who yeah. get up and then teach right like yep. you know and when they were operating in that in that um capacity there was a real health on his ministry and um and i'm just thinking about the kind of like security you know like the like you have to be pretty secure um to be able to to be able to operate in a team yep you know what i'm saying yeah yeah absolutely yeah and so um what you're talking about i've never really thought about as far as like this idea of like five like five-fold ministry in collaboration real time in these like stadium like i mean that would be fascinating you know instead of just being like jeremy you're prophet here's your hour right you know and then i'm a whatever here's my hour and you do your thing i'll do my thing but like that true place of like true collaboration mutual honor where there's like this framing out of something that radically changes the earth i mean to me that that's like very stimulating right yeah and i think too it's a discovering of what it looks like there's there's not like a real blueprint or model for this stuff, you know. It, it's being fleshed out. I think the guys at, at the Sen did a fantastic job, man, of doing what they did. You know, yeah, the whole worship movement absolutely. coming together with the missions movement and uh, the pops and moms that were a part of that with the younger generation, the the merging of the generations. I mean, I think were that's a there, model. Were you there at the Sen? You know, I actually wasn't able to be okay, at the Sen. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but I watched at, a lot of it. You were at the Azusa. Yep, I was at the Azusa now and uh, also did the call Berkeley with Lou before that. But Azusa now is interesting because we all had ex- we all had certain ex- everybody had different expectations for Azusa now. Right. And um and and if so for whatever for whatever it was or for whatever it wasn't it, it it certainly gave birth to it was to me. I almost think that Zuzan now is almost like this massive seed that was sown right. in, into the ground for the future. Like, and I'm just thinking of, of like what Sean Bowles. Everybody still talks about that moment, you know, mm-hmm. when Sean Bowles started getting up and giving these words of knowledge to yep. to I because I'd never seen anything like that before. I don't think anyone had ever seen anything like that before. Right. You know, in our generation, and um, that disrupted something. Like just that moment of seeing the prophetic modeled in an environment like that. And I think that whole entire weekend was like sewn into the ground and is now bringing forth, you know, what we're seeing now, which, and like I said, it's really just getting started, isn't it? As far as this whole stadium thing. Oh, yeah. I think it's just barely getting started. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there's going to be so much more. I mean, when. When it's it's almost like you know if if you can catch a cold from someone who's sick, you can catch the fire from someone who's a carrier <laughs> of revival. On. Come on, and so I, I think there's a contagiousness, a faith that comes. You know, uh, when when you see someone do it, it's like Bannister. You know, he broke the 
he broke the four minute mile, and before that, no one had done it. You know, it was like, and and after that, you know, in that next year, there was like over you know 12 people who broke it right you know right, right. in the same exact year so once one breaks a barrier it makes a way for more to happen but ultimately i know the purpose of these stadium events i don't think it's just to encourage saints you know and and to encourage the <laughs> sure, sure. the church i don't think it's supposed to be a big pep rally or you know uh, I think we got to go after souls. It's the harvest, you know, and it's. I, I, I think that it is about going out, grabbing people, and bringing them, you know, and, and that's where I think the mobilization of the body has to change their mindset because for the most part, we've made it. Uh, I think it's been a lot of Christians in the stadium, and, you know, we, we've, we've got some amazing stuff happening, but. What would happen if we really went and invited five people each that didn't know God that we were at work with or school or gym, and we just said to them like, "Hey guys, would you instead of uh, in, instead of just kind of you know loving on them there, but just say, hey, how about you come to this event with me? You know, this is going to be amazing. I'll pay for you guys. Uh, you know, get you food, whatever. You know, like come out." And actually get them into the stadium, those that don't know Christ. I mean, dude, I think that'll shift everything right there. Because uh, I, I think a lot of people would be willing to go. You know, people are curious. And, and especially something like we're talking about, where the power of God is moving. Totally, you know, totally, the, totally. The, the worship is amazing. I mean, we're not talking... We're, we're not in the days of like kumbaya my lord anymore you know like we're, we're in the days where where music is relevant the worship is powerful there's the the energy and the 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 power of a whole stadium worshiping god captivates people and i i think that some of that is in the church's hands are we going to invite the lost and if the awakening 2020 i think that's got to be a big focus is how can we get as many saved people in there as we can whatever it looks like and you know we've seen it in the third world i was preaching tonight and i was talking about indonesia you know there was a guy that won the indonesia idol uh you know tv show and he wanted to do something with his gifts so he did a concert right and it was all unsaved and he brought me in to preach to him <laughs> and so i went and preached to five thousand, you know uh muslims that didn't know jesus because some famous guy invited them in and as a result, many got saved and healed. But That's awesome. I think we got to learn from that. And we can't just rely on the superstars to do it. I think everyday ordinary people can grab a couple people, bring them, and it'll transform. I mean, imagine if everybody in that stadium brought two people with them that didn't know Jesus. And, and instead of just having 65,000 Christians, what if we had 30,000 unsaved 30,000 Christians or even 20,000 Christians and you know the rest unsaved? That, that would be the greatest harvest our nation's seen in forever. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, let, let, let me ask you. Um, and I saw a comment on um, Facebook recently, and, uh, and this guy was like, this guy was like, uh, you know, um, I, I want to see a nameless, faceless, you know, revival. And what, like, I'm tired of seeing these, you know, big, big budget kind of, you know, stadium kind of things that bring in the biggest names and the biggest faces. And like, uh, excuse me, here. and um, uh, it, it kind of like this. So, this idea of um, my question for you is what kind of atmosphere, what kind of opportunity is created? Um, by a stadium event that you can't get other places. 
because certainly um i, I haven't done it enough to be able to even i mean right so even out of my own curiosity but also just to kind of like some people just don't really know what they're talking about and it's and, <laughs> and you, you, actually you know i think the big thing is is uh, um it stirs up jealousy and, yeah. I, and, I, and i think that that's one of the things is that when you see you know when you are in ministry and you're seeing the, these guys in front of these massive crowds and, right. and, and like it's so so it does it really it really stirs that up and yet there is something there is a key there is a key mm -hmm. in these things and so i'd be curious you know i know there's a lot there and, right and so feel free to jump in and just do whatever you want you know sure but what like what what opportunity is like what do you notice as far as the level of impact and influence that's possible through a stadium that you're not going to get in packing out like a large church well first of all you know the whole nameless faceless generation um God knows everybody's face and God knows everybody's name. And, you know, in the kingdom of heaven, there's no, like, forgotten people. You know what I mean? Including leaders. Yeah, and that's like a very misunderstood, um, you know, prophetic yeah. word by Paul Cain that most people don't even realize was a prophetic word by Paul Cain. Right studied out the context of that word right but, exactly but yeah exactly and you know paul kane's word was that he saw stadiums and and fields filled with you know with people and so many resurrections so many miracles so many being healed and delivered uh that they couldn't count and uh you know they're like who are these guys well listen how many of the world does not know who we are it's true. Yeah, it's true. If there's true. 20 stadiums in America filled at the same time, all having revival, the news will not know who every evangelist is, and the 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 people will have no clue who's doing what, and no one will care if that level of power is coming. And so, you know, the other thing about the the stadiums only, only Benny Hinn. <laughs> people knew who Benny is, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they 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 know who Benny is, and and at the same time. Uh, you know, I, I think that it was necessary to have the Bennies, and it was necessary to have these pops that that went before us and moms that went before us. Absolutely. But I think the nameless, faceless part of that is not necessarily that people won't know who a leader is, but it'll be there's so much in a quantity going on that it'll be too much to cover. It's too much revival, too many stadiums being filled at the same time because they'll go, there's a dead raising in Cincinnati. Oh, wait, there's another one in California. Oh, wow, there's a, a, a you know, 20,000 people just got, you know, healed in, in you know, Texas. And there'll be so much that no one will care who's preaching it's just jesus getting the glory you know amen, amen. and and so that's the way i always looked at that but it doesn't mean that you know there's this weird thing in the church i think where uh where people they 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 do have a sense of jealousy but uh but they they kind of you know go well we don't need you know names and faces and but god still has his pauls yeah. he still has his johns he still has you know his deborahs he still has leaders that are visible in the body of christ and he does it on purpose because we need leadership and so it makes me laugh because we live in a generation that'll take that kind of a word oh nameless faceless generation and then they act like uh you know that that god doesn't still have leaders you know but they use it as an opportunity to even dishonor people with names and faces right <laughs> like, and, like the more insignificant you feel like the more insignificant you feel like your name and face is, the more empowered you are to kind of reduce or weaken somebody that does have a name and face. Right. And and the other thing too, dude, is honestly, man, it's just all about Jesus. And that's the 
that's the thing you know that I, I think a lot of people don't realize with people that actually do have influence is there's a price to pay that if you don't if you're not strong man i mean like it's easy for someone to criticize someone, but when you got 10,000 hate mails coming in and you have, <laughs> you know, uh, people uh, that are praying against you, it's like Christian witchcraft. I mean, like, people don't even understand the ramifications of what it looks like to actually stand up in a stadium and preach and do what you do. And, you know, if you're not secure in who you are, man, and, and if you're not doing it for the right motive, which is for the king, then it's easy, you know, for. Uh, for people or the devil to to really take you out and and in a place of insecurity and i think there's a generation rising up who they won't be taken out by people's criticism because they're not living for their approval they're living from god's approval and out of that place they'll minister to the world and it won't be about them getting the glory it'll be about giving glory to the king you know yeah that's awesome that's awesome and um as far as what you're saying, is, um, I mean, one of the things I've, I've always been really impressed by, by you is, is this heart to um, equip, and um, and more recently, your uh, your diligence to be equipping the saints for works of ministry using media, right? And um, and so you know, obviously, here we are, and you know, in this place, and doing media. I'm curious, Jeremy, like, what do you see for like the future of? I don't know what you call this. Um, like this is almost like like i'm just thinking about this whole idea where you know 20 30 years ago this wouldn't have been possible to be able to host a podcast be able to host your own youtube channel which is essentially like like a television show and and we're doing this stuff for almost for almost free you know right and so for the very first time in human history anyone can have a voice you know what i'm saying it's it's pretty amazing um and at the same time it's changing radically and it's creating incredible opportunities for the church for a righteous message is also creating incredible opportunities for, you know, pornographers and, you know, and so everybody's combating for these platforms and right. stuff. And, and one day a platform will be relevant the next day it'll be gone, you know, right. just, just because, so I'm, I'm curious, what are you seeing as far as like the future of media and the opportunities that you think are coming over the next 10, 20 years um, for our generation, for the church? Yeah, you know, I I think there's an amazing opportunity with media, and uh, you're right. You know, it's like uh, it's like that old school, you know, '80s song. That, you know, it's that annoying sing song it, goes, it. you know, <laughs> "Video killed the radio star." You know, yeah. and and uh, the the funny thing about that is if you if you listen to that song, you know, you might not even get what it's about. But what it's about is that there was a day. When everybody before television was around would gather on the radio, you know, and they would totally, that was the jam, you know, that was what they did. And then the TV came out and it killed the radio star because it was better to see and hear rather than just hear, right? Yeah. And so I feel like we're kind of in a moment like that with media. When it comes to all kinds of things, whether it's publications, whether it's uh, you know TV, uh, whether whether it's writing books, I mean seriously, you can self-publish nowadays. Uh, there's more voices being released than ever before, and I think that if the church is smart, they have to stay relevant with media because they, there's a lot of the younger generation that grew up in such a media focus. They're a YouTube generation. They're a generation that learns differently than in the past. I mean, Generation you know uh, Z as well as the Millennials, 
uh, and and some of the X, you know, they're, they're totally wired for media. They, they, they've been taught, you know, their whole lives uh, basically by the Internet. So to me, I think one of the greatest harvests that we're going to see is uh, equipping and training through media. You know, for us, we launched a app uh, a few years ago. The Lord told us to do it. And we've got over 10,000 people on that app every single wow. day that, wow. that wow. Are, are watching videos that are uh, I think we've had, you know, there, there's been almost a couple million uh, people that have seen the app in the store. We've we've got a couple hundred thousand views of the content that we put in, and uh, and financially, it's been you know the seventy percent of our budget for firing glory and what we're doing. And I think that and ten thousand active daily yeah, users. That, and, that's incredible, just on the app. And it's growing, and and that's the thing. And all we're doing is putting sound bites out. You know, it's like uh, people think you got to do this long thing. You know, we we've been putting five part ten minute series out. You know, once a month, and then messages of the week from the revival, but also one minute answers on tough to understand stuff and and uh, little preaching clips, and it's exploding. I mean. And and one one of the things that I think is causing it to explode is someone can drive around their car and throw some one minute answers on while they're driving. They can hear ten one minute answers, and it's feeding their spirit, you know, as they're going. And we live in that kind of generation. It's a go generation, and their attention spans, I think, aren't like they were before. You know, it's like if you're not being seen on screens, you're not being seen at all. Right, 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 right. And 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 for me, I think. Uh, I think you always have to be, you know, looking at what is happening. Like we're about to go some places with media that I think is going to change the game. You know, we're these Oculus goggles that just came out. I mean, you can right now get a 3D, like a 360 camera, put it in your congregation, and you can actually sign up for the the technology where it's literally virtuality church. Any service you do, someone can put the goggles on, and they'll look around as if they're in the service. If you're praying for someone over wow. here, they wow. can see wow. it. I mean, the the see, people aren't talking about this stuff, but yet the kingdom of God can be advanced through it. In ways that you know go beyond, if 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 we have eyes to see and ears to hear, wow, you know, yeah. and 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 I think that for us, I'm looking at even things uh, like follow up for these crusades, or even for uh, you know these events like Awaken 2020 or the Send. Uh, you know, apps are going to be huge with equipping the harvest that comes in. So if let's just say here in Seattle, how many people live here? Oh, I, I, I have no idea. I can Google it. Right. Well, I'm I'm sure it's probably. If I took a guess, hey Siri, how many people live in Seattle? As of 2018, the population of Seattle was 744,955. Okay. So thank you. So if uh, 500,000 of that 750,000 people got saved tomorrow, would there be enough churches for them? No. No. But so then, how are we going to disciple them, right? Well, if we understand they would the power, totally, completely crush the infrastructure of the church. Yeah, uh, but we're praying for these kind of moves, right? That's right, absolutely. But but you could take one app, like an Elisha Revolution app, and we've uploaded content for two years. And what happens is, as a revivalist, you go into a city. Let's say God does something crazy, supernatural like that. There's probably at least three or four hundred thousand of those that have a smartphone. 
So what is your discipleship? It's what you got on the app. They can download it, get plugged in, get discipled immediately. And and it's it's a different look. You know, it might freak some people out, but would we rather have the harvest fall through the cracks or equip them? Yeah. And we, actually one of the things that's brilliant about the app and it is is if you were just using YouTube, Facebook, Instagram as your as your con as as your content platforms and let's say that you're dominating crushing on instagram and that's where the majority of your traffic like if one day instagram freezes your account right you just lost all of you just lost that that whole stream of influence and all your content or if facebook's um locks you out of your account which that kind of stuff's happening right now so just with how crazy left and socialist i mean it jamie galloway calls it you know have you checked your um your socialist media today right? right like so by doing the app you, you, that you own your platform yep nobody can nobody i mean if you don't pay for it I, I imagine you could lose it but that's so if something happens to youtube if something happens to whatever like people will be able to go to your app and you'll be able to redirect you'll be able to you know so that that's pretty amazing yeah we well we live in it's, a day it's just where- very smart to have all of your content on a platform that you own yeah you know? and and you know just speaking of that i mean we live in a day of agendas and we live in a day where you know persecution is rising and it's gonna rise and and you know i think that's some of the things that will happen before a great move of god but yeah i mean we can't build on you know sinking sand when it comes to everything because i mean if you spend all your time building on social media platforms that everybody has and one day they pull the plug on you, then overnight, what do you do, right? Your voice is gone. But if you do what Bethel TV has done, if you do what uh, you know, a, a lot of people are doing nowadays with their own apps, their own, uh, their their own, you know, channels and streams. Now, no one can take your voice from you. You know, and it, it, it actually kind of works to your advantage because if someone blocks your Instagram and your Facebook and you know your Twitter and all that. You can literally, it's like, wow, I, you know, I was too controversial for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> right, Here's right. my app. And everybody goes, boom. You know, and it's like, how did your app grow by 50,000 people in one day? Because everybody wants to know what you're doing. That's right. That is so, you know, crazy. But, but really, though, I think, too, it's just uh, we've we got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, like Jesus said in this season. Because if we're not careful, not only will you give your voice away, but you won't even own your own content. Because a lot of times, you know, the the bigger social media, uh, you know, type models, they actually own all the intellectual rights to a lot of the stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't think people think about that, you know. And I, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. I just I, I think use the platforms, uh, you know, and 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 reach people. But don't put all your eggs in one basket. Start developing your own stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what you what, what you've done is you've created your own um, your own publishing platform. Mm-hmm. Really, is what you've done. And, and what's interesting is that in the old days, you had you you had to you had to go through publishers mm-hmm. in order to get any sort of recognition. So if you were unpublished, then you were basically unrecognized. But but now um, all of these platforms have have almost kind of um, replaced the publishers. I mean, I can imagine being um, 
you know, like, like I'm even thinking about like, like the different charismatic kind of Christian magazines, you know what I'm saying? Um, because before Facebook, that was the dominant, that was the only way you were going to find about a move of God is if it was like in charisma or something. Right. And, um, like that was the only way there, there was no other form of community of celebrating what God was doing on the earth. And now, like I remember when God, when when things broke out in San Diego, we found out about it the same day on Periscope. Right. You know, right. Like you guys were on, you guys were like like alive. Yeah. You and Josh were like, ah, it's breaking out of here. Get off of here. You totally. Know, like the same day, dude. Twenty years ago, we wouldn't have found out what God was doing in San Diego until a month later right. when we got our Christian magazine. So it's and and the crazy thing is Periscope isn't even around anymore. Really, <laughs> that's how quick it's things Twitter. change. It's, yeah, Twitter bought it out, right? Yeah. Um, so what I'm wondering is like as you're not navigating because you're you're going to be around a while right like you're not looking to build things like to wrap things up you're you're yeah. you're just getting no, we're, started we're just getting in, started in, yeah. in building things up so as you're plotting in in navigating forward are you looking at basically owning all your own content and being your own for especially with 10,000 active daily users you have you have an incredible tribe there. So right. are you, and you have, you've worked with various publishers in the past and that's been a huge blessing for you. Um, do you think that there's always going to be a place of partnering with publishers or do you think that's kind of a, an old way of doing things and you're kind of, you know, if, if you're okay, I, if you're yeah, okay no, with speaking. <laughs> I, I'd love to talk about this. So, I mean, I, you know, I have my own publication company and, okay. uh, you know, I actually self publish, a lot of my books as well as uh, my wife's books and i did a, a couple you know books with a great company called destiny image yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. another couple as well like different uh companies as well that are pretty well known and uh, honestly they're a great start you know got good product out of it and uh, they helped me write and learn the process of writing and uh you know I, i'm not against publishers at all i think that uh, I think there's some great help tools and, and even <coughs> some opportunities to to get out there where you would never get out there on your own. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I also think that we live in a day where, you know, you can do it yourself too. You don't, you don't, not everybody's going to get chosen by a big company to write a book, you know. And you, Not everyone's going to get chosen by chosen. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, but you you know, you don't got time to wait around to right. be discovered. Right, right. You know, because if you have a message burning on you or in you, then you should get it out. And you don't have to have the, the crazy amounts of money to do stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people have to rely on publishing companies to uh, to do for them or to help them. And, and so I, I thank God for the opportunities I had with the publication companies, but I also have found that, you know, in the publication circles, they give you good product, they get you out there where you couldn't get before. But as far as uh, finance-wise, royalties, you know, the, the best publishers can only give you, you know, a couple dollars royalties per book, maybe if you're, if you're getting a good one. And what I found is, uh, you know, I actually found that our ministry is receiving anywhere from 50 to 70% more self-publishing. And so, you know, the the cool thing about that is a lot of publishers, they have uh, requirements on how many books you buy. So if you're an author, first-time author, or, you know, you don't have huge reach uh, as far as your influence, it can be tough if you have to buy 3,000 books totally, totally. up front and you got a whole garage filled with books and you're like, how do I get rid of these? You know, it's like <laughs> 20 years later, you still got the books in right. there. Uh, so the advantage of self-publication is that 
you know you can print on demand so it's like you know if you only need 100 books and you print 100 books it's on your computer uh you know there's people that can do amazing graphics and uh you you know people that can help you with the the writing stuff and it it's it really is a day where you know we can we can do self publications and they can come out you know as good as the publications kind of quality books and so what i found though is uh, one of the advantages that I think I have had with the publications uh, as far as self-publication is the group I use is called Lightning Source. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're basically a print-on-demand group that um, they'll carry your name, your label for you. Like, they'll put it on Amazon for you. They'll uh, print the book, send it to you. Now, they've got print houses in Europe, Spain. They've got print houses in Canada. They've got them in Australia. They've got them in uh, Europe, all over uh, Asia. And so the one beautiful thing about that, if you travel, is that you don't have to actually lug them in your suitcase because you just order, send two boxes of books to England from England. Sure, sure, sure. Send two boxes of book to Korea, uh, you know, from the nearest hub that they have there print-wise. And so, uh, you know, the days of having to, like, carry five suitcases worth of products to go to a meeting... (laughs) And, you know, it's like paying thousands of dollars to try to sell thousands of dollars worth of products. And then by the time you get home, you made like a hundred bucks. You know, it's like, (laughs) right, right. Those days are over, man. Like, you know, especially the digital world, too. I mean, like ebooks, you know, Kindle, uh, Kindle Select, you know, uh, the the iBooks, you know, um, ebooks, they're relatively cheap you know to to do and then for the rest of the existence of the book you're making royalties off of them and if you're self-publishing you can make 70 percent of whatever the cost is i mean amazon uh amazon kindle's amazing it's a 70 30 split wow. so if wow. i got a ten dollar book on amazon for kindle self-publish then i'm making seven dollars a book versus a dollar 25 with a publication company wow. doing it wow. or even wow. less and you know i'm sure some of these guys are going to hear me talking about it they'll be like no don't tell the <laughs> secrets but you know what i think we're in a day though where you know there's people want to know how to do stuff and you know it's it's awesome because we can dream man that's technology we can we can do this stuff and for me i use most of the money that comes in for missions anyway and so i would you know i've been self publishing now for uh, about seven years. I, I've I did the first three publish, and then from now on, because I've the published books got my name out there, and you know, so it's kind of a trade off. They got my name out there. People discovered who we were as an author, and now I'm at the point where because people do know me as an author, I can self publish, and it goes all over the world. We sell books, and we can do these crusades. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. It just makes me think of like the whole um, the difference between like the uh, the rock stars in the in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties who um, did these incredible albums, but never made a whole lot of money actually off the off the albums. They made the money off off of touring, right? Versus like the rappers, and and you know, right. and they they were making albums in their mom's basement, but they owned their own content, and right. and they became like billionaires, right? Like right. just from that entrepreneur kind of like. And I think the argument is oftentimes if you go independent, that was always the term back in the day, right? right. If you go independent, that that you're going to be compromising it, like the integrity of the product because it's right. always going to be a, a little not as big budget as as the big producers, you know. But I also think it's interesting because like there's always something in the hearts of humanity that like 
appreciates that ra- the rawness right. of of like I- independent things you know especially right now with like how like rawness is what's like sexy when it comes to marketing you mm-hmm. know it's like the real like photoshopped kind of thing is very popular right now people want like raw gritty real like handheld cameras and and stuff right. like everyone's doing everything on their phones right now you know so i definitely think it's like it's one of the coolest times to be alive as far as being um you know kingdom content creators which i imagine right. there's we got loads of people that'll be listening to this where they're not necessarily revival <laughs> revivalist but they're like they're content creators of some yeah. of some sort you know and so it's like yeah it's an incredible time to be alive you know just the yeah. tools that are available and um, but I also just appreciate what you're, what you're pioneering, you know, because I mean, just even the app thing, I, I don't know a lot of minister. I know ch- churches, right. churches have been doing the app thing for a long time, but I don't know a lot of like revival ministries that have their own app. Right. I mean, do you, I mean, like, yeah, I, I think there's a couple or something, are, but like, are starting to catch on, right, you know, right. but. Uh, you know, the, I think the biggest thing, man, is how do we get the message of Jesus out? People like Jeremy and his app, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, here comes you, Jeremy and his app. Yeah, you know, here, here, here's the here's the real deal, though, dude. Is that you know, in in ten years from now, you know, those videos and and the podcasts that you're doing and all this stuff, it's going to be around. You know, people are going to be watching them. I mean, I, I last week. I was just kind of you know chilling, and I watched Lester Semerall oh, wow. uh, on a YouTube clip talk about the prophecy of Smith Wigglesworth that you mentioned tonight. I was really? I was wow. laughing, wow. you know. And, but the thing is, I watch you know I watch uh, A. Allen services all the time. I watch you know Catherine Coleman. I watch all these things. It's timeless, man, because of the the actual access we have to media. And so we're not just creating content for now. It's a legacy to be passed on. And even 10, 20 years from now, uh, I mean, you know, God forbid anything would happen to anybody. uh, But, you know, even if someone passes on to go home to the Lord, there's still a legacy to be left to a whole generation. And if we have the content created already, that voice of what God is doing in that life can be passed on for generations. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, you're right. And um, it, I mean, I'm just thinking about like the night after night after night, like all the meetings that you guys have done just in the last three and a half years. Yeah. And those all, those are all on YouTube, right? Like those are all. You can go back and watch night five. You can go back and yeah. watch night twenty-five. I mean, it's over ninety-nine years of viewership time. That's crazy. Yeah, that is so crazy. That is so awesome. And you got that. Uh, you got that archive now. Yeah, it's know? there. It's revival history for generations. You know, and and that's that's revival history. And and what's interesting about it is that in the past. It was like, hey, remember the good old days? And you might be able to find some VHS somewhere, dude. And like, who the heck's got a VHS player nowadays? You know, <laughs> right, and like right, that right, kind of right. stuff. And uh, who knows, man? Maybe in the future we'll be saying the same thing about this. But uh, as far as te- I always got people saying to me, like, I want to give you like loads of, of VHS tapes for you to right. digitize. I'm always like, yeah, give it to me. I'll, I'll figure it and, out. And, but- and you know, the the app, the reason why we actually did it is because we didn't want to have you know five ten years of meetings and then be like well the good old days like we want like that's why our our messages of the week are like all the pops and moms and different ones you're in there different guys that 
we felt like are real messages of revival for a generation. Wow. Wow. And so what we really want is to capture the anointing, capture the content of what God is pouring out right now, and have it available to a generation that even while we're in the midst of the revival, and even after, it can still carry the same oomph to it and, and impact. And that whatever is birthed out of the manifest presence of God, the voice of, of, of Jesus, and what he's doing, the miracles, all that, can still have an impact for generations to come. So it's like a legacy plan, you know, but in an app which i don't think a lot of people would think about until 10 years from now people be thankful like thank god you guys captured that miracle with that boy who you know uh, couldn't walk and got healed and you can go on and watch it you know it's like how how cool is that right yeah absolutely and that's kind of why we're doing it we want to capture the stuff so that generations can be impacted yeah jeremy well i just appreciate you um going after revival in actually a time when i don't think revival was all that hip of a hip of a subject you know and um and um you and miranda you guys were going after it and modeling something and i know that that though that first man that first year that that you guys were just running with it i know people were just looking at you guys like well we'll see how long that lasts yeah but man you guys have like you guys have um you guys have been so faithful and um and uh and not just and not just not just faithful but you've really like guarded your passion like like you continue to be um like we talked about tonight like just you've continued to be sharp and excellent like it hasn't made you jaded and it hasn't made you dull and it hasn't made you cynical and dude that's that's huge man that that's incredible Mm -hmm. and so man we're like uh it's always fun to have you here in seattle it's always fun to have you like you know in part here um, but just just as a friend and as a peer, just you know, just cheering you on, cheering mm-hmm. Miranda on, and we pray for you all the time. You know, just for 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 that continued grace, for perseverance and excellence, and mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, it's gonna be amazing. Twenty twenty, how you, how you guys are starting off the year with the with awaken, yeah, believing be for your vision for this stadium expression revival, man. Just we're we're believing with you for that, and we're gonna be celebrating you and. Um, we'll make sure to put all the all your links to your books, to these events, to your app in the show notes. So people that are listening, make sure you go to the show notes and, and <laughs> connect with Jeremy, connect with Miranda, because uh, they're doing amazing stuff. Thanks so much, man. Hey, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market, and I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible, and you're so supportive, and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks guys.